So over the last two weeks at the gathering, we've been looking at who is Jesus. We're using uh, a small book by Greg Gilbert, and I really encourage you to buy that book. It's called Who is Jesus? We're looking at Jesus' identity, because Jesus said it is really, really important. What he said, he said that my identity, knowing who I am, is a matter of life or death, heaven or hell. Don't get me wrong, like, knowing Jesus, I mean, do you know, like, um, knowing him, knowing him. Do you know, like, you know someone and you love someone, knowing him, it brings so many undeserved benefits. And if you speak to any individual here who knows Jesus, it's the root of what you would call human flourishing, the meaning of real life. What's it all about? Jesus tells you that. But still, as I said last week, Jesus said is that a person's destiny depended on how an individual related to him, how they saw him. In our first week, we looked at Jesus being uh, uh, the king of kings. And we saw that in, in Mark's gospel. Last week, we, we looked at Jesus. We looked at Jesus in his divinity, but more him being one of us. Jesus Christ in his humanity. We did that because often... We look at Jesus being divine, which is good and right, but we don't realize how important it is that Jesus was fully man is uh, to us as Christians. And this week, we're going to be looking at Jesus as the Lamb of God. And to be doing this, I'm going to use uh, the pattern and content, in a way, of Greg Gilbert's book. Because what I love, what he does, he goes back looking at Jesus being the Lamb of God. He goes back to the baptism of Jesus. See, at the baptism of Jesus, in our first series, we looked at uh, Jesus being the King of Kings, and it's from when uh, God says, um, this is my beloved son. So we chased that sonship theme through the Bible. We looked at Jesus being the King of Kings. Now, what I want us to do, using uh, John's Gospel, I love John's Gospel, because John's Gospel is a rich uh, story, account of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And we're going to go back to uh, Jesus' baptism, but using John's Gospel. And it's that point when it's Jesus, he's walking down uh, beside the Jordan River, um, he's about to be, uh, see John, and John says these words, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me read um, John chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. Let me read into it, give us some context. Um, now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. 
Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned them, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but amongst you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, whose straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, this must have been absolutely thrilling for them, but absolutely confusing at the same time. See, when we read these verses, because we are far removed from when these words were originally said, the idea of uh, a Lamb of God to be given to God to take away sin was familiar to the Jews. It is familiar. They understood the Jewish sacrificial system. What said, quote, let me read, a system where a sacrifice is made as a religious rite in which an object and animals are offered to God in order to establish, maintain, or restore a right relationship between human beings and a holy God. It was the means where sin was turned away. It was where they paid their sin debt. It's a way of cleansing the community and the temple so God's people can do what? They can come in to God's presence. See, the Jews, they understood the story of how the world is broken, where it all started. That when God said to Adam and Eve is that the consequence of sin is death, it wasn't an arbitrary decision. It wasn't. See, the, way, the reason why God declared death as a consequence of sin because it was fitting and right for God to, to say so to do so. This is God. Why? Because of, as man, we, we sidestepped God's authority. As man, we said, this is God. We, 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 we declared we want independence from you. We want to live our own way, live our own life. See, God is perfectly, he's good and righteous and he's just in his character. The Bible said he is a sustainer of life itself. And what we've done, we, we turned up the telly up loud so we, so we couldn't hear you. I can't hear you, God, the telly's up loud. It's right that death is a consequence for sinning against a holy God. Let's not forget that the Jews, for years and years and years, they understood the story of the Exodus. When their ancestors had been led out of Egypt, out of slavery by, by uh, Moses. They understood that big, great story. They celebrated a series of its ritual that symbolizes different parts of the Passover with uh, the overarching meshes that God, their God, is a merciful God. They had understood and heard the uh, story of the first Passover where God has devised a way where he could be both just 
and, and merciful at the, at the same time. That he provided salvation through substitution. That this God of the Bible, their God, has provided life through death. Our God has provided, provided a way for them to be safe through the blood of a lamb. And now, at Jesus' baptism, is Jesus walking along, and John says, Behold, here comes the Lamb of God. John wasn't speaking about a lamb. Imagine what this meant for them. He was speaking about a person. He was speaking about a man. Imagine what they must have heard. Behold, here comes the Lamb of God. See, everyone knew what happened when a lamb was given into the presence of God for a sacrifice. It had his throat cut and it bled to death. It died a, a, a gruesome death. Behold, here comes the Lamb of God. See, this is what John had in mind when he cried out, Behold, here comes Jesus, that, that Lamb of God. He recognized Jesus would be the one who would be sacrificed who would die a painful death for his people. See, the long foretold suffering servant was here. Here comes that lamb. See, John and the Jews, they have grown up and they would have known the, the, the great Old Testament prophets and Isaiah 53, which says, surely he took our pain and bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He, he knew those words. As Jesus stood there at his baptism, he stood there as a as a son of God, as the representative, as the king, as the people's champion. But he also stood there as a, as a suffering servant of the Lord. See, we have come back to the baptism of Jesus tonight because it's so important that we understand what is happening when he was baptized on the banks of the River Jordan. It's really, really important. Why? Because it's fundamental, because it helps us to understand the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, as Jesus was being baptized, he was fully stepping into his Lamb of God role. He was moving into that role. The role that God always intended him to fulfill this is the one who was always, the Old Testament said, was going to be crushed, was going to be the sin bearer. See, we know that as we looked at our first series, Jesus was being crowned as, as the king of kings. He was being crowned as the champion of heaven. He was being crowned as the long-awaited king, Israel's king, and the king has arrived. However, God was also crowning him with, with a crown of thorns. 
the lamb, the broken lamb. He would die for his people in their place. He was stepping into that world of Lordship's cries. It's not as if this was a surprise to Jesus. Jesus, he knew why he had to come. He, he fully knew the way to sin rest on his shoulders. He knew about the mocking. He knew about being schooled. He knew about the cross. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who would take God's wrath for his people. That's what he meant when he says, is that I've come to Lord Jesus Christ. I've come to give my life for a ransom for many. For a ransom for many. When the Lord Jesus Christ was, had his last supper in the upper room, that's what he meant when he gave the cup to his disciples and he said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood as a covenant which is poured out for you as a forgiveness of sins. See, this language what Jesus is using and ransom for many and being poured out, it's hugely symbolic, but it's also a hugely powerful reality. Jesus Christ, the long-awaited son, the suffering servant. See, Jesus, he knew that he would be the scapegoat, the lamb that would be slaughtered, to bring people back into right relationship with him. He knew that. God so desired to bring a fallen man back into relationship. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only beloved son. He, God so desired, desired to bring us back into a relationship with him that he gave, up his, his, he gave us his son, the lamb, for our sins. On the cross, Jesus Christ was the innocent one. Jesus Christ would be the one who, who bore our sins innocently on the cross. God's righteous, righteousness required a shed, shedding of blood, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, if we read about him in the Bible, if we look at his life and how perfect he was, he had to be Jesus. We looked at last week why Jesus had to be fully man. It had to be Jesus. Righteous Jesus. Perfect Jesus. See, when we look at Jesus in the Bible as the lamb, the lamb who shed his blood so that we wouldn't shed our blood one day, how can we but not love him more? Honestly, how can we not love him more? How can we not worship him more and adore him more? I know as Christians we blow it and we get it wrong and we have uh, the enemy whispering in our ear is that we've blown it in with God and there's no way back. But God is, is always there. Is never not a way back. How can we not worship the Lamb who loves us, who shed our 
his blood for us. See, the Lamb of God stooped down and the Bible said, he put our sin upon his shoulders and it says he's carried it as far as from the east as from the west, the Bible says. See, this declaration that Jesus is a Lamb of God should be a vision for what will and is be forevermore. Jesus is our Lamb. Presently, Jesus is our Lamb, is also our Shepherd forever. Our Shepherd knows us. He loves us. He's always there for us, despite how we may blow it at times. God wants us to give ourselves wholeheartedly to him in, in worship because he sent the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are tonight. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know this land, God calls you to, to look upon the land. He calls you to embrace him by faith as your protection against God's wrath. That's why we're looking at who is Jesus. Faith is the instrument, instrument by which his blood is applied to us personally, deeply, relationally. If you knock at God's door humbly by faith, the Bible says that there is room within God's house. That's what he says. And when we see the blood, when we accept the lamb, God's wrath will pass over us. God's wrath will pass over us. See, I was thinking this, as I was preparing this, what I'm saying is that although this truth is true, Jesus is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world, this truth still needs to be applied by faith, by repentance, turning away from turning our back to God and turning to the Lamb of God, turning to God in faith. I don't know where you are at, but you may want to say a a simple prayer, like words like this. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I confess I am a sinner. I have blown it, and I do blow it. But I need your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I believe in you and all that you, you did for me. Thank you for dying as the lamb. Thank you for dying as my lamb. And I receive you as saviour right now. That's what God desires of, or desires of us. Humble repentance. And if you are a Christian here, praise God is that our faith it doesn't rest on our endeavours. It doesn't rest on what we do. It rests on him. The lamb. Not just a lamb who is on a cross, 
a resurrected lamb. A lamb who is, right now, as we sit here, as I speak, for those who love Jesus and know the lamb, the lamb is interceding for us, praying for us. Because we are in Christ, united to Christ, his destination is our destination. His reality is our reality. His Father is our Father. Because we know the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Let me pray as the musicians come up. Father God, we thank you for uh, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his shed blood and his broken body. Thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ paid that great cost for us, that he was a sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the spotless sacrifice to save us from sin. And Father, we pray that as uh, Christians, we'd always know that reality. Uh, Father, we blow it, we get it wrong. Our Christian life is up and down. It's one of faith and repentance. But the Lamb reigns and he's interceding for us. And Father, I do pray for anyone who, who may not know Jesus and are trying to work out this strange and at times a weird Christian message. A Lamb upon a throne. But Father, we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb, would break in and like many of us who have come to know and love this Lamb, is that they would do likewise. Amen. Mm-hmm.